Hello, fellow foodies. Welcome back. Um, Dr. Cassandra Quave here, and we've got a fascinating new episode of Foodie Pharmacology for you this week. We're going to explore some plants in the cypress genus found at the Andean foothills of southern Colombia that are used in traditional shamanic practices. We're also going to discuss traditional practices associated with Yahe shamanism and the use of ayahuasca and other powerful medicinal plants. If you're interested in the power of plants, you can also check out my book, The Plant Hunter, which is coming out on October 12th. In it, I share my journey developing new ways to fight illness and disease through the healing power of plants. Um, to learn more or to pre-order a copy, head to my website at CassandraQuave.com. Now, today, I'm really excited to chat with Dr. Hernando Echeverri Sanchez. He's a social anthropologist with an interest in ethnobotany, medical anthropology, and human ecology. Um, his research on the shamanic networks of Western Amazonia. And for the last five years, he's closely collaborated with ayahuasca or yahe shamans from the Putumayo, Colombia region, conducting extensive fieldwork in the city of Macau. It's great to see you, Hernando. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Cassandra. Uh, it's nice to finally meet you, and um, I'm a fan of your work. It's really great to be here. Thanks. Well, I, I'm excited to speak with someone who knows so much about, you know, the western part of South America. It's kind of where I got my first exposure to ethnobotany, um, just a little bit further south from you in Peru. Yeah. And um, I actually encountered some of the plants that you're doing a lot of really fascinating research on. So I'm really excited to learn more about these traditions in Colombia. Why don't, why don't we start with just giving us a bit of an overview around what are shamanic networks and how do how does shaman exchange knowledge throughout the western part of South America? So in in Colombia, uh, the what we call yaje or what uh, mostly most people mm -hmm. call ayahuasca uh, um, exists very separate from like Peruvian or um, or Ecuadorian or even Brazilian uh, shamanic practices. Uh, in Colombia, the Yahe shamans are a very uh, unique type of traditional medicine tied to different uh, ethnicities uh, in, the, in, the, in what I mean, in what, I, what we or Colombian anthropologists call the shamanic networks or the people of Yahe. Uh, these people live mostly in Putumayo, Colombia, which uh, you might see a, a picture of the map, uh, south uh, of Colombia, near the border of uh, Ecuador. So the river Putumayo is the border uh, between Ecuador and Colombia, and just above the Rio Putumayo, we have uh, the region, which is, uh, which is multi-ethnic uh, multi and uh, very diverse, at least ethno, uh, um, biologically diverse, because it also contains a large part of the Andean foothills that mm -hmm. uh, and the uh, lowlands. <coughs> so, the shamanic networks that we see in that region are shamans from the highlands who live in ecosystems that are very similar to, for example temperate forests, uh, even though they don't have those uh, shifts of uh, shifts of uh, the seasons, it's cold mm -hmm. usually, 
15 degrees Celsius. I'm not sure in Fahrenheit how much that is, but uh, it's usually pretty cold and it can get to over uh, 3000 meters high. So it's uh, what we call Paramo in Colombia. And it's a unique ecosystem that's uh, almost uh, like before snow caps. And, uh, and then you go down towards the lowlands, which has like the lowland flood rivers. The shamans from the highlands, they can't grow many of the shamanic plants that are used by, for their healing practices. So they have through the centuries, through the centuries, even before uh, pre-Columbian times. So there's evidence of this trade since um, since the Inca arrived that, to that region, wow. uh, or even before that. Uh, so the, that trade has been working since then and is still ongoing. Many of the shamans that are from the highlands need the medicines from the lowlands, so they travel to the lowlands. They not only trade their own medicines, because the highlands has also a huge diversity of medicinal plants, but they also travel, uh, they also exchange knowledge, you know? So like, for example, the shamans from the highlands are very well known for their use of uh, another shamanic plant called porrachero or brugmancias. I don't know, you know, you know which mm -hmm. ones? Yeah, the it's trumpet the Solanaceae family, right? The yes, potato the, tomato family, yes. The trumpet flowers, mm -hmm. they're extremely dangerous, but uh, these shamans from the highlands, they, they, uh, they have a, a history of cultivating and creating varieties of these brugmancias. Uh, mm. So they have beautiful different varieties. Is and it known as toe? Is that is that what they call it? No, actually, no. in Colombia, it's not known as toe. It's known as toe in Peru mm -hmm. or in Bolivia, but in Colombia, we call it borrachero, which means borrachero. drunken, mm, drunken, drunken person, like uh -huh. the drunken, drunken plant, because they, there's a myth that if you lie under it and you smell the and you go to sleep under it, you will wake up like drunk. Okay, kind of so, like hallucinating from, yes, <laughs> from this hallucinogenic it's, it's plant. It's a very powerful yeah. plant, and, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of association with witchcraft with that plant. So, so, so those highlands uh, shamans, uh, they know all about this plant, and they trade it with the people from the lowlands who have the knowledge of ayahuasca, Banesteropsis uh, capi, uh, and the other big uh, uh, mix in the Dipteris. Uh, Cabrerana, no? The, those in Colombia, it's not, uh, they don't use Cicotria viridis, they just, they use uh, Diptroteris uh, Cabrerana, which is uh, also from the Rubiaceae. Okay, so the coffee but, family. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Well, let's get into the recipes for uh, ayahuasca in a bit, um, because yeah. I think this is really interesting how all these different ingredients work together. But, but what you're saying is basically that you have different shamanic practices, but through these uh, trade networks, there's exchange of yes, knowledge exactly. and plants. Mm. So even the, the highland, there are different ethnic groups. So from mm -hmm. the highlands, there are the Kametsa, the Inga, and from the lowlands, there are the, uh, the Kofan, the Siona, the Quichua. They have different languages, they have different cultures, but they share similar shamanic practices because of that network. So for example, Low highland uh, shamans go to the lowlands to learn from, uh, from become apprentices of lowland shamans, and they take that knowledge and and teach it up in the highlands. 
and vice versa. No, there's sometimes wow. uh, people go up to the highlands to learn about certain plants, and they and there and there's an exchange of knowledge between. So the interesting thing is that um, these uh, networks they function mostly through trade. So like they 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 function like, oh yes, I'll tell. I'll give you money to buy uh, uh, ayahuasca, but I not only give you money, I can give you instruments, I can give you other medicinal plants to cover the cost of the ayahuasca because ayahuasca is generally pretty expensive for the people from the highlands. Mm. So, so there's there's this network of trade, and usually the people, the ethnic group that is specialized in that, in that trade are called the Inga, which are... Uh, the which have like a Quechua uh, dialect, and they ex and they live from the highlands to the lowlands, and they have also spread throughout the country, and they are like if you go to in Bogota or Cali or Medellin, the other big cities of Bogota, of Colombia, to the mar markets of herbal medicines, it's usually an Inga shaman mm. who you meet, and they will sell you the plants that you are looking for. So they. These Ingas have spread the Ayahe shamanic practices throughout the country towards even Venezuela. They even have some Venezuela. So that's how uh, it's very different to what you find in, in Peru and Ecuador yeah. and Brazil. Well, let's, let's, let's deconstruct a bit like what ayahuasca is. Some of our audience may have heard of it before. It's become this kind of trendy thing of, of ayahuasca circles and in the U.S., which is, you know, frankly divorced from its real utility and meaning that we see in traditional medicine, which is a really sacred use. What can you tell us about how ayahuasca is made? We know that it has many different species, but also what does ayahuasca really mean? What is its symbolism for, for these healers? So ayahuasca is a it means uh, the plant of the soul or the connection to the soul. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the umbilical cord to the heavens or it's because it's a vine no, that grows. Uh, they usually, at least in most places, usually call ayahuasca only one plant, which is Banesteriopsis uh, capi. Uh, mm -hmm. The other mix, that is the ayahuasca plant. That is the yaje plant. In Colombia, we call it yaje, but uh, it's because in Colombia, we have a very unique uh, uh, shamanic practice. But the, 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 uh, the uh, yaje plant, when it's has uh, uh, like MAO inhibitors and harmonies that are like mm -hmm. chemicals that help you if you drink uh, plants or if you consume it with plants that contain DMT, it helps you keep the DMT and, spread, and, and helps your uh, stomach process the DMT and allows for a longer uh, trip uh, or longer or sensory experience. Yeah. yeah, I've always found that fascinating. So just to deconstruct this, MAOI stands for a monoamine oxidase yeah. inhibitor. Basically, if you were to take a plant that contains DMT, it would be rapidly broken down in your gut. Yeah. But exactly. in the presence of, of the MAOIs, it slows that breakdown down. And then you have, instead of a very rapid breakdown, it, takes, it stays in your body longer and you have an experience that can, that can last in terms of hours, right? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's that's the be the beauty of this biochemistry that they have, um, ethnic chemistry that have, and these MAOs also function to they they also function to incorporate other medicines. So mm -hmm. uh, at least the shamans that I've worked that they not only mix it with with the um, with the caudenara, diplopteris caudenara, but they mix it with other medicinal plants. Because to give it more strength, because ayahuasca, the bicapi, the MAO inhibitors, mm -hmm. they are allowed for the body to process, to to consume or to in, ingest all of these chemicals, and uh, it's it's a it's a pretty wild uh, like practice and. Ethno historically, it might have come. There's some evidence that it's it comes uh, from another plant, the not they use uh, um, which is widely commonly used throughout the Americas, uh, uh, Peregrina, uh, and Anderiaceae Peregrina, what we call yopo. It's a snuff. Ah, the yopo snuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, so they. There's ethnohistorically, it's tied more to that because mm. your post not you not only need is where you consume the DMT, but you need the 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 yahe vine to 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 process it and to have the the, the experience. What so, is the plant name again of the yoposnuff? Anatereaceae peregrina. Okay, what family is that in? Is that the... is, uh, and you cut no. me up. Oh, no, not, not to put you on the spot. I was thinking of, I, I, re, I recall, if, if I'm remembering correctly, there's some books. Um, I know, it's a Fabesi, sorry. Fabesi, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm trying to think back to some old photos I'd seen um, in one of yeah, Schulte's yeah. books that has, uh, I think, it, is that the snuff where they basically blow it into your partner's nose through a bird bone? Is that the yeah. snuff? Yes, okay. So, yeah. so there's two snuffs. Well, there's actually three snuffs. That one, you also have the tobacco snuffs, mm -hmm. which are very common in that shamanic practices. And it's very widespread. Uh, uh, tobacco, as you know, it's one of those magical plants that is yeah. throughout Latin America. And you have the, the virola one. Which virola is, snuff, yes. Yes, yes okay. which is much mm -hmm. more from the, from it's closer to Brazil. In Colombia, it's more, and like in the Caribbean, Anandereace uh, was the main snuff that they use, and uh, and it needs uh, that uh, capi or uh, yeah, uh, vine to the harmla alkaloid. Yeah, yeah. I think I think what's fascinating is like. Uh, you know, when people hear about ayahuasca, they often think that it itself is the source of hallucinogenic properties, but it's not. It's actually really a potentiator. Um, yeah. I think the, the, the harmala compounds have some antidepressant activities on their own because of that, you know, MAOI um, connection, but it's really the other ingredients. So I've, I mean, it's long fascinating me how people sorted this out, that you take this plant, you combine it with that plant, and then you have this enhanced effect. And yeah, it's just yeah. amazing, it's the knowledge, amazing. how it's been built and transferred. So there's another thing about uh, uh, BCAPI or, or the MAO inhibitors and harmaline is that it, it also creates a, the purgent effects, no? it, hel it helps you mm -hmm. Uh, uh, the emetic and the diuretic mm -hmm. uh, effects, which are often overlooked, but for that type of medicines, they're 
vital, no? You, yeah. Part of the medicine is purging yourself out of the sickness. So mm-hmm. it can't be overlooked. It's in, it's a really vital and central part of how, what local communities understand as uh, healing. Of purging so, the uh, body through inducing vomiting, inducing also is a laxative to induce. Yeah, it's a laxative. Yeah, so, so you have this, yeah, this is, this is, this is really important. You're right, so because a lot of I medical always, theory is based in that purging the body. Yeah, I always find it crazy that people basically uh, like are ashamed of that because mm-hmm. it's they often say, oh, it's the, the side effects. But it's like for yeah. the shamanic effect, shamanic traditions for the like local Yahya tradition is probably one of the most important. So they have a huge list of plants that produce the same, like the vomiting and the the laxative effects. And uh, it's probably the most important thing they have out of their arsenal. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So can you tell us a bit about why would a shaman take yahe? Why would they consume it? I, in my experiences, I was told that shamans would take this as a kind of a diagnostic process or to understand how to how to determine what was wrong with their patient and also to find the remedies for the patients is that the same as it is in Peru as in Colombia that it's kind of a a, a tool for learning how to heal your patient yeah traditionally it was more towards that mm-hmm. because uh, yes basically the shaman was the only one that drank the hair Mm-hmm. Out of the fa- uh, of the during these the ceremonies ceremonies mm-hmm. and during the the diagnostic ceremonies because they were more like diagnostic ceremonies. Mm-hmm. It's like going to a doctor and the doctor uses uh, X-rays to see what's inside you to see yeah. what's happening to you. It's they they see it as that. At least the the shamans that I talk to, they're like, oh yes, I use uh, they use other shamanic tools like crystals and music. Mm-hmm. And their and their fan, the to like, we call it guaira in Colombia. Is Guaira, which is a grass, right? Is it Pariana species also? Yes, like, exactly. Yes. <laughs> That's great. So it's it's a it's and it makes a beautiful noise. That's lovely. Is, so uh, that's so they use those things to like diagnose the patient. Mm-hmm. And to diagnose not only the patient but the world at large, because you have to remember that they don't see you as an individual. You, they, they, you exist in a world where there are spirits, there are non-humans, there are a, a bunch of other uh, denizens mm-hmm. that might uh, that are uh, that see you as prey, that see you as an ally, that uh, that see you as an annoyance. And that you have to negotiate with them, and you, and it was a vital tool for for example before hunting because you need to negotiate with the owners of the animals because the owners are also some denizen in the jungle. It's not human. It's not animal. It's some spiritual type uh, being. You mm-hmm. have to talk to them so that they give you permission to hunt their their herds. And so the shaman was the link between the visual world and the invisible world. And that's how, and Yahe or Ayahuasca was the tool to enter the invisible world. And most of those uh, hallucinogenics in Latin America are 
have been used in that same similar fashion. No, it's a tool to enter the world of the spirits or to enter uh, the invisible world. So, mm -hmm. um, but now due to the growing tourism, because it's not only in in, in Peru that we have a huge industry of, of ayahuasca tourism in Colombia. It's big, but it's localized because Colombia mm -hmm. has his, a history of, um, of violence and foreign tourists are more afraid of going to Colombia. So the shamans, they, uh, it's usually like uh, elites from Bogota or from the big cities that mm -hmm. go to the shamans. And due to that, it's changed the whole way of practicing and, and, and consuming yahe. They've opened it up to anybody who wants to go. And uh, and it's it's uh, it's now seen as not only that the shaman can see the invisible world, but you can also see it. The person can also see it, and the shaman wants you to be drunk with vijaye because we call it drunk because you're like disoriented, borracho con yaje. You have to be drunk so that the shaman actually sees uh, sees the uh, the real you, the real problem, so that they can hunt it or like uh, uh, cure you. And cure you, yeah. This is fascinating because, as you mentioned, it's, it's you see this change in in the utility. And I mean, traditional knowledge and the use of plants we know is constantly changing. This yeah. is true. Um, it's constantly being molded through different people that um, and different cultures that kind of encounter these plants. Um, when it when it comes to the use of, of Yahe outside of the diagnostic realm and more of kind of a um, in some ways it's it's being used also for mental health treatments. What what can you tell us about that? And you know there are some dangers with that as well yeah. because of the MAOIs. If you're on um, medications already for mental health, it could prove quite deadly even um, if you mix those medications. That's probably one of the major risks. That and the overconsumption of uh, tobacco during ceremonies. Mm. Oh, uh, mm -hmm. uh, that's one of those big things that uh, people just assume that it's fine, and they just <laughs> uh, go and drink your hair, and it has a huge effect on them and can cause uh, death. And it's really important for anybody who's listening to be careful with that type of them if they're interested in this topic. Mm -hmm. uh, tobacco is also, I feel like. Uh, one of those things that people don't talk about, but it's really dangerous because uh, if in high enough doses and you consume tobacco and they mm -hmm. consume tobacco in different forms, you not know, cigarettes, uh, like cigars, the snuff, the ambil, which is the, the paste. And uh, if you consume too much, it can also poison you because it's uh, yeah. nicotine is a poison at the end of the day. So, yeah. Yeah, so it's 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 very important for people to be aware of these things if they want to if they're interested in this type of plant. Uh, yeah, this, type of plant. this is another interesting point because when we think about tobacco, it's become so commonplace across the globe. It's so accessible, but you know historically it was a it was a ritual plant. It still is a ritual, you know, ritually sacred. Um, an important plant, but but you're right. The levels of consumption and modes of consumption can certainly be toxic if you take too much of anything. I think there's this misconception that people have that 
anything that's natural is safe when yeah. it is not. It's you not, know, there, uh, there are a lot of, of things in nature that will kill you <laughs> if you take yeah. too much of them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the case with most of the traditional medicines. Uh, the shamans, they have their own uh, recipes. Uh, they have their own li lifelong experience mm -hmm. that they've managed to, and tradition, no? because it's also mm -hmm. like a huge tradition of like how much, how much you should include of certain plants, uh, which prevents many of these problems of like overuse or or like poison self-poisoning so if, it, if it's important to know this because there will be a lot of new shamans because of the interest there's so many young new mm. shamans who are just decide to become a, a yaha and they don't really have any training they don't mm. have the long tradition of moving through those networks of shamans and they can uh, and they can do harm and they can actually cause harm to people. And uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a risky world to negotiate if you're going to that uh, landscape. So. Yeah. Well, I think, like as you say, like the 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 importance of that long tradition of training and of learning across environments in the highlands and lowlands can't be underestimated. Is that that knowledge is key. I know that, well, not just with ayahuasca, but with many other powerful medicinal plants, there's a lot more that goes into these formulations than just the identity of the plant. You have to think about the age of when the plant is harvested. You know, they may wait until it's a certain, um, for the for the ayahuasca vine, until it's a certain girth, because that indicates yeah. a certain age that it has, or other plants are collected early in the morning, or you know, all these little details that may seem strange or maybe not as important on the surface actually can be really closely tied to the chemical makeup of those plants. And in yeah. the end have major consequences for the final pharmacological properties of that final product. Yeah, exactly. So so then it's interesting to see how these things that you're talking about, for example, the age, the different t times that you have to harvest it, it exists in, it's, it's a very like a uh, fundamental part of shamanic uh, interaction with plants, with their plant medicines. And uh, it's part of their respect to their, so that maybe not, they don't understand it, or maybe it's not seen as a, as a like, oh yes, it's because this has this uh, effect when it's later in the day, it's because you have to respect the plant. The plant tells you mm -hmm. something that you, when you harvest it, in the morning, it, it's it's more available to to cure than in the afternoon. It's the agency of the plant, no, and you have to respect that. And that's the beauty of that tradition, no. It's mm -hmm. uh, gives a a plant that you usually it's like oh yes, it's a plant. It's usually like in the background of of our world. It has a a world change for them. It has a world changing agency that. Uh, I don't really, uh, there are not many communities that have that uh, perspective or belief system, which yeah. is quite, quite beautiful at the end of the day. So, yeah, and, and uh, tying it to, to the Chandur, it's, it's basically the same, no? It's like, how do we deal with these agencies of plants? Chandur is one of these tools they use to to negotiate with the with the with the agency of the plants when they're using them. Can you tell us 
you know, what is Chandur? I know it is a sedge that belongs to the Cyprus um, genus. And in, in Peru, um, these go by the name of piripiri, but also a very important kind of psychoactive ingredient. How is Chandur used in, in Colombia? So Chandur, as you said, is a, a, a Cyprus um, plant. Um, in Colombia, like in, in, in Peru and most places in, in, throughout the Amazon, Chandur is, there's many different varieties of Chandur. Chandur is like basically a catch-up, catch-all mm -hmm. term to a different species of sedges. So like they say like, oh yes, this is this type of chandur. There's different types of chandur. So like, for example, tiger chandur, danta chandur, hente chandur, people chandur, like and different, different uh, chanduras. And maybe, and sometimes they're different species, but then sometimes they're not. Sometimes you don't mm. see, I can't tell the difference, but the shamans, they definitely can tell the difference. And they have a, and they, and, and they have a difference through their effects. So it's a, it's a very conspicuous plant. You, you can't barely see it when you're walking through the forest, but the shamans are constantly growing it. They have their own collection of different chandures. They It's pretty easy to grow. You just buy, you can get the little rhizomes and just put it mm -hmm. in the ground and it grows pretty easily. And they, they how they use it is they, they use those rhizomes. They smash them with like a wooden mallet and then put them in alcohol. Chondur, this, uh, the species of Chondur that I, I identified most was uh, Ciperus articulatus, which is also a very important uh, cypress for perfume industry. It has a beautiful, oh, interesting. Uh, aromatic, uh, like musky smell that is lasts for a long time. Mm -hmm. And uh, when they put them in the in the alcohol, it infuses the alcohol with the essential oils of the of the chandur, and it makes the the alcohol smell of chandur. And uh, when and they and they use it by fl uh, uh, blowing it, no, like you know how shamans they drink a little bit and then they blow it. Uh, it's kind of that. like spit out in like a fine yeah, mist like, onto the patient, or exactly. on, oh, to the wow. patient. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they and then you end up uh, with the smell of chundur, and they use it to cleanse. They use it so, like for example, that white fan, the fan that we were talking about. Mm -hmm. They commonly open, uh, uh, they blow at it with the chundur. They clean it, clean it. So it's a very important plant for uh, for the cleansing ceremony, which is like a. It's a uh, it's the vital part of shamanic practices. No, it's uh, not ayahuasca is the showy, but like mm -hmm. oh yes, everybody is interested in that. But cleansing ceremonies are what you do is when uh, when you're feeling sick, you go to a shaman and they will cleanse you and they will see uh, and then you might they might say like it's usually tied into like uh, spiritual diseases, so mal de ojo, bad eye, uh, brujería sometimes, witchcraft. So it's very, it's tied to like local uh, spiritual diseases. And uh, chandur is a, a, like a vital part in the ayahuasca ceremony because of that cleansing practice. So they use it uh, 
they blow chundur throughout the maloka, throughout the ceremonial place. They blow chundur uh, to the to the where they put the yahe. They blow like in, into the cups. They blow chundur into the air. They blow chundur into each patient. It's a it's cleaning cleaning the space more similar to I I think in in, in Peru they use some uh, smudging agents no some some mm -hmm. instances but in in Colombia they use chundur primarily this way and it's 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 quite fascinating because um, it has a, a a very particular set of moments during the ceremonies that it's used. So you mm -hmm. use it at the beginning, two times during the ceremony, and at the end. I found the, the most interesting of those two moments in during the ceremony, because uh, for the shamans, uh, this uh, for, for the patients who are having some trouble with the ayahuasca, with the yajé, it is a calming agent. Hmm. So they glow chandur at you when you're feeling uh, when the person is feeling like he can't walk right, when the person is going through like a, a strong effect, it helps the shaman manage the ceremony. And that's why it's such an important tool, because it allows for the shaman to guide the person. So like mm -hmm. it, it not only guides you through the, it gives you temporality, no? It also gives you like the, the ritual moments when yeah. you, now, this is where we start from this. This is where we change the dynamics. And, and they tie it up with music, with, uh, with the wider fan. And it's, it's interesting because uh, during with ayahuasca and DMT, the, uh, you have some synesthesia where the smell produces certain effects and certain, certain uh, effects like visual effects. So, when you when they do a cleansing with the with the chandur, it produces an effect of well-being, and uh, I have reports of people have saying like, oh yes, I've seen, I see like beautiful things when they when they're blowing chandur at me because that oh, wow. smell changes what they're seeing or how they're 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 having their experience to to like a more calm, more, more, more peaceful, like mindset, you could say that. Yeah. And that's why it's fascinating because it's often overlooked, but it, the importance for the shamans for that uh, is vital. And Chandur is also used for like, for example, a, 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 to hunt people, to, to to throw arrows at uh, at witchcraft it's it's uh, like it's their secret little tool they have in their pockets when they need to do use and need to either calm the ceremony or or do other things so i found that pretty amazing and there was nothing written about it so i had to write yeah. about this plant yeah it's fascinating well I think one of the things that attracts me to this genus in particular is also some of those studies have been done with the fungal endophytes that are yeah. involved with this plant. And so there's the question of who's producing some of the chemistries in these plants. Is it 
the, the fungal entophytes or is it, you know, the plant itself so, or are both necessary for the final products? So it's, it's, it's been reported that, but I actually didn't record any uh, use like hallucinogenic use because most of the, of the fungal endocytes grow in the, in the flowering. Yeah, uh, in the flowering tops. In the flowering tops. But shamans where I worked with, they use only the rhizomes. Hmm. So it's, uh, I'm not sure if that's, uh, ty- uh, that's why I never recorded any of, because I know about this, that like uh, uh, yeah. the ergot mushroom, and everybody keeps saying like, oh my God, the ergot, but I, I never saw it. But there might, what, what like for example, Timothy Plowman, who was one of the first ones who worked on this, uh, was saying it's like maybe, Maybe it was how they discovered the plant, and then it changed and it it, it morphed into the different uses that we see today. Mm. I I'm not sure if why no the the the, the hallucinogenic properties of chundur as from that regard is I haven't seen it, but. I've seen what I'm telling you, you know, like the, yeah, the, the right use of like managing divisions and making mm-hmm. people see like healing elements and different. Uh, fascinating. Like, well, what else is fascinating to me is that, you know, unlike ayahuasca, which is not typically cultivated, right? It's wild. Yeah. Uh, th- these are specifically cultivated by shaman for specific purposes, because you mentioned yeah. they have many different utilities. This one has this property, that one has this one. I mean, that that shows a lot of intent, just like we cultivate certain crops, right, for food. Yes, exactly. There's been very a lot of intent, intention into into these. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's it's fascinating. And then you have like I in my in the paper, I, I only specify two plants, one which is tied to the jaguar shaman, mm-hmm. because the shaman has a tie to the, so because the jaguar, there's a lot of symbolism in how the shaman hunts the disease in you as a jaguar hunts in the forest. Mm-hmm. And uh, the air is another big, uh, wider or air is another big symbolism that ties to like bre- breathing, a lot of how people understand life comes from how they breathe. And, but there's so many different other t- types. You, know, you have a uh, trueno, which is thunder, which uh, they use to, to uh, I've heard so many beautiful stories, you know, like uh, a shaman, one of the most powerful, because there, it's a lot of the tradition in, in, in that shamanic, it's about stories about how like other shamans, like hero stories, other shamans did this and this, and can you believe it? They did this. So there's one about uh, one of the most important shamans in Colombia, Taita uh, Kerubinqueta. He's like the he, like the eminence. And uh, there's a story that uh, some guerrilla came to him to like ask for like uh, to like leave the territory, and like they they kicked his pot of yaje, and then he spilled it, and then he used the trueno chundur and mix it and like tied it to and like and linked with the spirits or with the energies of thunder and threw a thunder to the gorilla camp. So there's you, that that's like how 
this symbol it's like tied between symbolism and like practical use and uh, we can't really think of uh, these varieties as like us oh, it's because of this their physical attributes it's because of their cultural attributes their their existence yeah. in a wider network of of shamans and not only shamans of other beings that exist in the in the region so it's trying to understand this region more as that as a blue rivers of different worlds and different uh, networks of human and non-human that's that's how like you end up uh, working there and you end up seeing this you're like oh my god this is amazing <laughs> i like this this pluriverse is is a nice term for it absolutely it's this multi-dimensional views of the world that so many of us just don't see it's yeah, amazing exactly. so there's, there's, there's two other things i want to get on to before we run out of time yeah. and, and the first one is can you what is a what is multi-species ethnography what is that so, about so yes basically to explore that pluriverse of denizens you have to expand as anthropologists we look at humans we mm -hmm. generally like look at humans and how they use plants but with multi-species we can extend it extend that vision of like a social network and multi a multi-dimensional network to uh, to other beings, not to other denizens. Plants, mm -hmm. for example, I worked uh, with, uh, I, I looked, so I followed the plants as they were grown, processed, transformed, harvested, uh, sent to the different, uh, like traded through the network, used, and through that observation of the, the relationships of, of the plants, I got to see how like, uh, people from like you, you have Yahi shamans, but you also have people who believe in Santeria using these plants, and it's a different concept of health and different concept of body and different concept of everything. But they use the same plant and they translate the practice. So that's how you manage to. Uh, uh, that's how I managed to to explore these because there's so many. It's there's so many different. Paths and divergent paths. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, I think people forget too that I mean, within the within the entire Amazon, there are over 400 different tribal groups too, and each group has its own language, way way of seeing the world, ways of medicine, ways of being. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's yeah. And you have to include colonos, white people, mm -hmm. uh, the 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 Afro Afro Colombian or Afro Brazilians. Mm -hmm. The uh, the rubber trappers they all have different ways of but then there are certain things that they share and yeah. that's what I found that where I can tie these things and it's usually like medicinal plants for example <laughs> that's great that's great um all right and the, my one last question was around this topic of therapeutic implotment what is yes. that yeah so. When I was talking about the yahe, uh, the how chandur is used during the the yahe ceremonies, how like it's used to put you in 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 a in a in a like a, a rhythm in a rhythm or mm -hmm. put you in the times of the of the of the of the ceremony. It's also for the shamans. There's a narrative mm. to 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 this uh, uh, ceremony so like you have you start hearing the narrative from before and you start in you start like 
linking the narrative to your healing process. And it's usually like, oh, yes, I have, um, I've, ha I've been hurt and I've been, I feel sick. And then they, you go to the shaman first, they do a cleanse and they tell you, I oh, know you are, uh, you've been hit with witchcraft. You have to come back and drink ayahuasca with me or yahe with me. So you go back and they give you yahe. And during the whole ceremony, they tell you about how to cure witchcraft, how to, and uh, it's like a plot. So you start uh, become, putting yourself in the plot of the disease and mm. also putting yourself in the plot of how to heal yourself. So it's like, like self-empowerment in a way. Yes, yeah. in a way. So like uh, they, they start saying like, oh, yes, the best way to do it, you will drink your head, you'll purge, you'll feel better tomorrow. And then there's a bunch of symbolisms tied to curing that witchcraft. So like, for example, they use chundur, they use the waira, they use amulets, they use, they do like a, the songs are tied to, to that plot of curing you from that witchcraft. So, so it's, it's kind of like tying you to that plot or narrative of getting better through, through their medical system. I don't know if, if that makes sense. Yeah, so, it's it's kind of making you part of the story where you're really the key to healing yourself. Exactly. Yeah, that yeah. So so a lot, so when I say therapeutic employment, it's basically that, no? It's tying yourself to uh, using the different tools, symbolisms, mm -hmm. uh, perspective of the of health, your perspective of your body to make a narrative of yourself to to heal yeah. yourself through the process because the plants can only do so much you have to also believe in them you have and to make take that yeah you know and that's it's so interesting because in, in in you know in kind of the broad western medicine we often are very separated from our ability to treat our own diseases it's considered something else that we must give ourselves over into the hands of the southern yeah. medical system and have faith that it that it, and hope that it works but here it's more about it seems like you are an integral part of the story of the yeah, storyline even and, in western medicine yeah. uh, there's symbolism no the doctor wears white the doctor <laughs> yeah. where uh, the doctor tells you i'm gonna do an x-ray Mm -hmm. I'm gonna do this. Diagnostic. This. Mm -hmm. this is the diagnostic. This is how we're gonna cure you. You have mm -hmm. to believe in the me medicine that the doctor, in the experience of the doctor that's curing you. Yeah. And and so it's also kind of that, no? It's a healing narrative that you create to yeah. get better, and it exists in all medical traditions. And in ayahuasca and yahe shamanism, it, it, it's basically using chandur, using yahe, using all the different plants and 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 it's beautiful it's really nice because it's it, it is really helpful for mental health going back mm -hmm. to what we were talking about because a lot of the for example currently i'm working with um mokoa was devastated by a, by a huge mudslide not many years ago and there's a lot of post-traumatic syndrome and there's a lot of people that are traumatized by mm. it. The, the winters or we call them winters now the rainy seasons are really heavy now due to global mm. change global warming they're becoming worse 
So people are afraid of the rivers and their land and their forests. And, uh, and they're starting to go to the shamans and the shamans are like giving them the plot, like, oh yes, you have to become, you have to respect the rivers, you have to kind of understand it. And that helps people understand what happens and that helps people uh, like deal with their trauma and kind of yeah. accept it and move on and like grow with it. So, so like, yes, it's beautiful that it's it's well well known that uh, some psychedelics are useful for 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 mental trauma trauma yes mm-hmm. and mental health but it's but you it's often overlooked that it's the ceremony that also helps you yeah. get over those not traumas. just taking a pill of some psychedelic it's yeah it's the the ritual the really ritual. Important. Like even if you if you consume mushrooms or whatever, it's the idea of like going and having yourself like a like a ritualized uh, process, a narrative that you create and plot yourself in that narrative, yeah. and that's where you grow and you get out of and you can uh, he, get better, no? And yeah, it. that's amazing. Well, this has all been super fascinating. We're we're out of time now, but yes, I have I do have one last question that I, I like to ask all of our guests, and that is, you know, what is your favorite dish from this region? What what's your favorite food from from this region where you work? So there they have a chili mm-hmm. that is smoked. It's wow. a little chili powder that is smoked, and it's only found in that region in the Amazon, and it's. And it may, and you put it in the in the in your soup or anything. It tastes like a smoky, like almost chipotle, but it's it's so much, much better. more complex. <laughs> it's amazing. So yeah. Oh, that's great. What what is it called? Uh, Chile. It's they just don't have Chile. a name. It's a local yeah. Chile for it. Wow, it's great. Well, thank you so much, Fernanda, for coming on the show and sharing all of your knowledge of this of this of this space. It's really um, been enlightening to to discuss this with you. Yes, well, thank you for inviting me and hope to talk to you soon again and whatever. And you need me to talk more about it. You know, I can talk a lot about it. (laughs) That's great. Thank you. You've been listening to Foodie Pharmacology, the science podcast for the food curious, recorded on Skype. A big shout out of thanks to our producers, to Rob Cohen and Christine Roth. And a big thanks to you, our listeners, for tuning in each week. If you want to find this and all of our other episodes, you can grab those on um, Apple Podcasts. You can also check out the video version of this episode at the Teach Ethnobotany YouTube channel. Thanks so much for listening. Stay healthy out there, and we'll see you next time.